Hi, everyone. This is Jake Kerr, and welcome to The Joy of Writing. Every week, I'll be writing a short story live on uh, on this podcast, and you can follow along. Um, if you want to see the story that I am working on, I will post it at our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash joy of writing. And you can grab it there and kind of go along with me as I write the story. It's not necessary, however, because I'll be reading out the words, I'll be talking about what I'm doing, and really the entire intent behind this podcast is for you to experience writing as it occurs, the thought process that goes through the writer's head, and the kind of joy that I take in doing that so that it can inspire you as well. And I certainly hope that you use this as inspiration to write uh, write yourself. So what will we be doing? Um, I'm going to take a writer prompt that's from the uh, Reddit group uh, r uh, slash writer prompts, and I'm going to write a story based on that prompt. Every week, I'll uh, go to Reddit to to get a new prompt, and uh, maybe at some point I'll post there and and you guys can vote on it. But uh, for now, I'm just going to find a prompt that I think is interesting, and uh, that's what I'll use to write about. so you know where to find the story, and also I'll announce what the prompt is on our face group, Facebook group as well, which again is facebook.com slash groups slash joy of writing. And uh, what are the rules for this podcast? So basically, I'm going to be writing without any preparation. I'm going to sit at the keyboard. I'm going to look at the prompt, and then I'm just going to start writing uh, my story. Um, you know, most of the time, I'll be writing a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I'll talk about my thought process as I go through the stages of figuring out what the story might be. Sometimes I'll uh, change it up, and I'll focus on writing a character piece, which is basically using the prompt to illustrate a character in some creative way, which is indeed another version of a short story. Another thing that I might do is play with form. You may see me write a short story that is nothing but dialogue or has no dialogue and is nothing but exposition. All of those things are part of what makes writing so fun is sitting down and looking at all the pieces that you have and all of the tools in the toolbox and putting them together into a finished story. So those are the rules. Let's uh, let's move on and let's start with our very first story. So what is the writing prompt that we're going to use? Well, this is directly from the writing prompts Reddit, as I told you, subreddit. Uh, the writing prompt is is write the story of two people, one who always tries to do good deeds but messes up, and another whose every action, however evil the intent, turns out well. So this is a uh, interesting prompt, and the first thing that goes through my mind as I think about it is uh, we've got two characters. Now we don't have a ton of time in this podcast, so I can't write a uh, novella or even a novelette, which is a story that's more than seven thousand five hundred words. In fact, I really only have time to write a, a couple of thousand words at most. So the first thing that we got to think about is what's the scope of the story? We don't have a whole lot of time, a whole lot of words to work with. Well, we know we have two characters and we don't have a lot of time. So it's going to be very much a character piece. But let's think about the other elements of the prompt. Someone who does a good deed but messes up. There's no definition of what messes up is. And there's no you know, definition of what necessarily uh, his intent is uh, for uh, doing the good deed. It could be to help someone. It could be to uh, just do something nice. Uh, and for 
the person who, uh, you know, and another whose every action, however evil the intent, turns out well. Now, so the interesting thing here is the first person always tries to do good, but the other person has an action that always turns out well. He may not even, uh, you know, have an evil intent. So there's a little bit of room for us to play with here. So let's let's first thing we need to kind of do is what's the what kind of conflict can we create between the two? Well, let's uh, let's start with my my first thought is let's have them both try to do the same thing. Now, clearly, one is going to turn out well and one is going to turn out poorly or it's going to mess something up. And the interesting thing is the uh, the actual event itself will be identical. Can we think of something that two people can do that uh, one person is doing for ill intent, the other is person to do for good intent, and how the two wires can get crossed, and it turns out that the opposite happens. I really like where we're going with this. So let's think about that further. Two people who want to do the same thing. Now, it could be a someone who's working on a job. It could be two people who see something and they react to it in a specific way. So let's think about what we want to do. I also, we also, let's also think about the characters. Do we want to have a man and a woman, uh, two men, two boys, two girls, an adult and a child? Um, you know, one of the things as we kind of put the story together, which is so fun and is really joyful, is thinking these things through and just working it out in your head. A lot of times people will sit down and they'll have the st- they'll just lay back in bed or they'll be in the shower or they'll be in the bath or they'll be driving down the road and they'll think of the story and they'll imagine it and they'll have it all in their head but at the end of the day when they sit down and they've got this amazing story in their head and they try to write it you know all of the magic is lost because they experienced it in the car or in the in the shower and, and what have you so this is a good example of how you can do it at the at the keyboard all right two people same event same same deed they're going to do the same thing one is going to turn out well one is going to turn out poorly and we need to kind of figure out what that deed is going to be well what kind of things can have uh, multiple reactions well someone um hmm okay i got it what we want to have is someone who wants to react to something someone else is doing so someone does something embarrassing and you want to help them. Or if you have the evil intent, you want to make it worse. You want to laugh at them. You want to bring ridicule to them. So you've got those two scenarios. So we've got two characters. We've got one who sees something embarrassing happen to somebody else. So now we have a third character and they're going to do something to help the case. But in helping the case, they're actually going to make it worse. And then we have another character who sees the embarrassing thing happen and they're going to want to make it worse worse. They're going to try to ridicule the person, but in doing so, they actually make it turn out well. So this leads us to the next question as we sit down and write. Do we have them both interact at the same time and they kind of battle, uh, you know, a battle of intents? Like someone, you know, uh, you know, is at a restaurant and drops a bunch of plates and, you know, one person rushes over to try to help and the other person is uh, going to laugh out loud and try to draw attention to them. Um, And they do it at the same time and they glare at each other and and one is trying to do good. I kind of like that because we have a back and forth. And the other element that we have to think about is pacing and time. We don't have a whole lot of time to kind of work on this story. So having both things happen at the same time and be an interaction conserves space and makes it more tense in in a shorter time period. Now, if we were writing a novel, we could have the story told from one person's
person's point of view in one chapter, have it told from the other person's point of view in a second chapter, and then have it kind of uh, in a... Uh, uh, in a kind of multiple point of view way, have different views of the scenario, and then have the reader make up his, her, their minds as to what is actually going on. But this is different. We're going to have two people uh, interacting at the same time with conflicting intent. So now we got to figure out who these people are so and what the situation is. So let's think about what is something that could be embarrassing and um, why, and and something that would lead someone to want to interact on that person's behalf. Well, there's plenty of things that are embarrassing out there. You can trip and fall down steps. Uh, it's, you know, without injuring yourself, uh, that's embarrassing. You can have something like uh, your, your pants rip and uh, your behind is exposed. That's embarrassing. You can, uh, you know, pass gas in a public setting. That's embarrassing. So that's the kind of thing we're going to think about here. So let's think of something embarrassing and it's public and something that could be fixable by someone saying the right thing and made worse by someone else doing something else. So uh, let's think for a second and uh, we don't have to be perfect here. We're just going to be creating a nice little story so we don't have to, uh, you know, uh, have the, the perfect scenario. So I'm going to pick something at random. And one of the things that often, it's not random, by the way, if it's coming out of my mind, it has some element of myself attached to it. So I'm going to pick something random that is uh, embarrassing that I may have remembered in the past. And that's uh, public speaking. Uh, maybe I'm up on stage and I'm supposed to uh, uh, make a speech and I stumble over and I forget my words. And, um, you know, I go down to, to look at, you know, uh, at my uh, cards that have the speech on them and they fall out of my hand and they're all out of order. You know, we'll get to that situation later. We'll figure that out as we're typing. So that's a good scenario. I kind of like that because when you're embarrassed like that, someone is going to, you know, want to help. Maybe they crack a joke. Maybe another person is going to try to make it worse because they don't like you and they want your job and they're going to do something that makes it even worse, but somehow they make it better. All right. We have a scenario. We have, we have a, uh, a character who is the one that the embarrassing thing happens to. Let's just uh, make it a man. Uh, I'm a man. And we're going to have someone who's going to try to make it better but fails. We'll make that a man as well. And we'll have someone who wants to make it worse, but somehow that makes it better. And uh, we'll make that a woman. Now, we could pick any number of characters. If we wanted to think harder about it, we could pick a character uh, for a specific reason, for a political statement. If we wanted to to add a political spin to this, which is, you know, you know, a great idea in terms of providing more depth to your stories. We could uh, create a marginalized character that uh, does something, but uh, I'm not going to do that right now. This is my first episode, and let's not uh, let's not reach too high, Jake. Let's uh, let's just get this done. All right, so let's start writing. First thing I'm going to do is introduce the situation. Well, the other thing we have to kind of figure out is whose point of view it is. I love the idea that it'll be told in first-person point of view from the person giving the speech because we can really get in touch with their nervousness. We can see what's going on. And also it gives us an objectivity to when we're looking at the others, the other two characters who are actually the stars of this show and how they're going to try to, you know, change my behavior or my situation because I'm in first person and I'm speaking. So uh, we've created a dynamic here. 
first person, very tight point of view, which means we're going to be in the head of the person uh, who is experiencing this speech and this embarrassment. And we're going to really ramp it up and make that uh, make the reader feel uncomfortable. And then we're going to have the person who is going to try to make it worse. And uh, because we're going to be looking at them through the lens of the uh, of the person who's embarrassed, we can play some pretty fun games there. We can, uh, you know, talk about how the person has always had it in for me and wants to kill, you know, not kill me, but kill my career. And the reader can see that. And then when it turns out, well, maybe they're thinking like, hey, is this an unreliable narrator or not? And vice versa. The person who is always doing good, they may mess it up. And, and the narrator is, uh, who's in first person is thinking like, why would they try to hurt me like that? Um, it's a great beginning for a bigger story where you have all of these, you know, kind of misunderstandings and they get resolved later. But we don't have the luxury of time. We're just going to get this done. All right, let's continue. Uh, let's let's just put the person on the podium and ramp up his nervousness so there's no mistaking that he's nervous. Um, I glance. I don't want to use the word nervousness, by the way, because uh, you know, as you uh, are describing something that happens, if I say I glanced around nervously, uh, we're, we're basically telling the the reader that this is how you're supposed to feel. But we really want to immerse them in it. We want them to feel the nervousness. So we're going to create a paragraph here where we just describe the behavior of the first person who has yet to have a name, uh, who is our speaker, who's looking around and uh, just trying to. to uh, to, to get through it. I glanced around the hall, which was full to the point that there were some people standing in the back and others sitting on the steps between the so and sit, sitting on the steps between the seating, we have sitting and seating. I don't like that. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, standing in the back and others sitting on the steps uh, between uh, that led to the stage. I couldn't figure out how the fire marshal would let this stand and... It further distracted me. Now I don't like that. Further distracted me. Uh, he's not going to worry about fire. He's going to say that uh, it's just you know more people in there. And again, we don't want to be so obvious that we say he. The more people means he's open to more embarrassment. Uh, maybe we do a hint of uh, kind of self-deprecation here. Uh, this was my first. All right, now we'll set the uh, stage a little bit better. My first presentation as vice president of let's me there that a board meeting of a, a company. It's he's a vice president of investor relations. That's a very important uh, position if you're on a public company. Uh, as vice president of investor relations. The news I had to give wasn't good, and well, I was sure of what I had written, it was still difficult to get past the staring faces. All right, so he's a little bit confident. The news I had to give wasn't good. That's bad. 
and but he's sure of what he what I what he has written. So I'm sure of what I had written. It was still difficult to get past the staring faces. All right, so it's a little hint that uh, the room is full. The pieces the people are staring at him. The news isn't good. All right, let's start off with him making a uh, statement. Uh, shareholders and proxies. Thank you for attending. Now, this is where we would need to do some research. You know, what is it like to be at a shareholders meeting? Uh, I don't have time to do that research because I'm just writing a short story. So let's just kind of whip it out. He's in a he's in a meeting and uh, he's going to say shareholder and proxies because I just I know enough to know that there's people who are there who in standing in for shareholders. Uh, thank you for attending. All right. Now, what he's going to try to do is. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is try to have him share a joke. He's going to try to lighten the mood, and it's going to not go over well. And that's going to be the, the, the first step toward him fumbling to getting to that moment of embarrassment. Shareholders and proxies, thank you for attending. Now, part of what will make it funny is if we knew what the situation was. So we have to kind of create a situation. So let's say there was some kind of fraudulent accounting and the company had just gotten through it. They had to go through a lot of painful kind of machinations to make it work. And uh, everybody's unhappy because what they did is, uh, you know, for the people who got screwed, it wasn't enough. For the people who uh, were doing doing the screwing, they got their hand slapped and everybody else was collateral damage. So no one's happy. And he's going to kind of make a joke about that. So shareholders and proxies, thank you for attending. I only wish we had more proxies and fewer shareholders. I paused. Oh, how about this? In light of recent difficulties, I only wish we had more proxies and fewer shareholders in attendance. Basically, none of the people that matter should be here. And he's making a joke, and it's a bad one and very inappropriate, uh, but that's the whole point. I paused uh, waiting for the laughs. It wasn't the best bit of humor that I knew was important in the presentation. But I figured acknowledging that it was going to be awkward would have elicited at least a chuckle. All right, we're going to go to another paragraph. Uh, when you move from paragraph to paragraph, there's really uh, the, the, there are no rules other than it has to kind of fit your vision of what you're doing. For me, I change paragraphs when there's a new kind of what I call experience. When the uh, if you're talking about something and then you are going to self-reflect on it and then you're going to talk about something else, that's a new kind of experience. If you're talking to someone and then they're going to talk, obviously the rules of grammar are that you use new paragraph because new person talking, but it also fits in because it's a new experience. So that's kind of what I have in mind. Paragraphs can be as short as a single letter and as long as multiple pages. And uh, thank you, Henry James. Um, So, but we're just going to continue on just giving you a little bit of insight there. I cleared my throat. Do we want him to clear his throat or take a drink of water? Um, I finished my sip of water which I had planned on being the opening 
for the audience to laugh. But now was my own recovery from the ineffective joke. Here's where the writer, the, the, the protagonist uh, is going to think about, you know, in my mind, we need to get to the big embarrassment quickly because we don't have a whole lot of time. Um, and frankly, the pace here is we don't need him talking about balance sheets and P&L statements and things like that. This is about not even really about him. It's about the two people who are about to kind of assist and try to not assist him. So we're just setting up that kind of scenario. So we, could, we should get to it pretty quickly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play on that, you know, he uh, he uh, made a uh, fairly uh, ineffective joke, and he's nervous about it because now he he feels like he needs to set that tone, and he failed. So he has another joke that he was going to tell, so he'll move that up. So let's talk about that. I'd finished my sip of water, which I'd planned on being the opening for the audience to laugh, but now was my own recovery from the ineffective joke. My next index card was introducing the history the awkward and painful recent history related to our uh, financial impropriety. But I felt that I badly needed to set that up with something that would provide the mood of the room with a less confrontational, provide the room with a less confrontational mood. That would, it's not going to provide the room. So let's talk about language here. What he wants to do is say, I wanted to talk about the difficulties, but first I want to kind of lighten the mood. So, um, he says, my next index card was introducing the awkward and painful recent history related to our financial impropriety. Totally makes sense. But I felt that I badly needed to set up with some, set that up with something that would provide the room with a less confrontational mood. That's not what we want. He wants to lighten the mood. So he goes, uh, I, but I felt that I badly needed to lighten the mood. Let's say hey, sometimes being direct, exactly what I said to you is what I'm gonna, that he's going to say to us as readers. But I felt that I need, badly needed to lighten the mood in the room so that the difficult news would not be presented to presented in a confrontational light. All right, vaguely makes sense. <laughs> it actually does make sense. He's on light when I light the mood, then I'll give him the bad news. After the bad news, I'll give him another joke. All right, so let's continue. With that in mind, I go I glanced at my cards and moved my best joke to the front. Of course, it was in the middle of the pile, and I didn't really need to move it due to having memorized my presentation, but... I didn't want to screw up such an important job. Kind of meandering here. We might want to kind of 
cut this down a bit, but let's just uh, go with it for now. But I didn't want to screw up such an important job. Nah, I don't like any of this. All right, I glanced down on my cards. With that in mind, I glanced down on my cards, knowing that somewhere in the middle, my note cards. So he's got note cards for a speech. Knowing that somewhere in the middle was, with that in mind, I glanced at my note cards, knowing that somewhere in the middle was my best joke. I had planned on using it to transition from the painful, not painful, we already said painful, from the discussion of the recent fraudulent, let's give a little bit more detail, fraudulent transactions to, let's see, to our plan for the next fiscal year. How about that? That makes sense. That, wow, that, all right, new new experience, new thought, new paragraph. Unfortunately, I needed that joke now as I glanced up to a sea of frowning faces. A bit of a cliche there. We can play with that a little bit. Unfortunately, I needed that joke now as I glanced up to a sea of frowning faces. So, um, how would we describe that? Well, one of the things you want to do is a simile or a metaphor. You know, a metaphor would be, I glanced up to a pride of hungry lions. Uh, I glance, you know, a simile would be, I glanced up to uh, a group of faces that looked like, and then we would fill in the simile. Really great writers, the ones who make us gasp and, and really be amazed over the writing. F. F. Scott Fitzgerald is certainly like that. Know how to describe something by comparing it to something else in a way that is just universal and, and really just is like, oh my gosh, it's exactly like that. So that's kind of what we want to go for here. We want to really establish that this room is, is cold. So maybe let's do that. We'll compare it to something cold. Unfortunately, I needed that joke now as I glanced up to a room that was as frigid as my walk to school in Boston when I was six years old. All right. I kind of like that. I don't think it's perfect, but it's pretty good. Unfortunately, I needed that joke now as, as I glanced up to a room that was as frigid as my walk to school in Boston when I was six years old. My winter walk to school. Got to got to clarify there. If he's walking to school in the spring, maybe that that simile doesn't quite work so well. It would work, and I knew it would. I had put all my effort into that one moment. All right, he's setting himself up for failure. I put all my effort into that one moment. It's a little bit like uh, the uh, the the hip-hop song by Eminem, you know, the, the one moment on stage, you, you can't you can't let it, uh, you can't miss it. Well, like that song, he's going to miss it here. So, all right, let's make the joke. It's got to be really bad. He's got to think it's good, but it's got to be really bad. Uh, so, also, we just noted that it is a transitional joke. He just talked about bad things, and now he wants to talk about good things. So the joke will work because everybody in the room knows about the bad things. So let's set it up that way. So there's no hiding the fact that you're all sitting there in front of me. 
wondering how we could lose $10 million on a bet made by a bet made by a mid-level manager. $10 million bet made by, I almost want to say a minimum wage flunky, but that's just too harsh. We kind of, I kind of like this loser that we're talking to. Reminds me of myself. <laughs> so there's no hiding the fact that you're all sitting in front of me wondering how it could lose $10 million on a bet made by a manager who didn't even have the authority to didn't even have the authority to know what's something that you know you have to be you know you to get the authority you need someone very high up the food chain but someone mid-level would need to get permission to who didn't even have the authority to issue office entry cards now what's that didn't even have the authority to to oh i got it who didn't even have his own parking space in our corporate headquarters. All right, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny. We lost $10 million by someone who didn't even have his own parking space in our corporate headquarters because people who have power generally have their own corporate space. Um, all right, close quotes. He's going to gauge for response, not a single sound or smile. I couldn't see. I. Well, it's not really funny. No one was smiling. But that was okay. I had the punchline ready. God, he's going to fail so badly. Who didn't even have his own parking space in a corporate house. No one's smiling, but that was okay. I had the punchline ready. Well, I assure you, it wasn't because he slept with our CEO. All right, here's where the joke is. Uh, the CEO will be a lesbian woman. So uh, this is a manager. That's, that's the really cringy part of this joke. He makes a sexist joke that is based on the orientation uh, or, or gender spectrum nature of the CEO. Just so inappropriate in so many ways, but it's the kind of joke that someone who is oblivious to that and is just frankly, uh, you know, rude would make. So uh, he thinks it's funny. Come on, obviously he's not going to sleep with her because, you know, one, she's a lesbian. You know, it's not oh, so inappropriate. And I love it. Okay. And we also set something up here. He's uh, he he clearly makes a mistake. Let's have the CEO, the woman, be the one who comes over to try to make things better, and or maybe she's the one who makes things worse. We'll figure that out. But we know the CEO is definitely going to be one of the people who comes over because she's going to see like this guy just screwed up big time. All right, so no one was smiling, but that was okay. I had the punchline ready. Well, so first let's set this up a little bit more. Uh, he does say his own parking space by 
a... All right, it wasn't because he slept with our CEO. All right, we set it up that it's a male-female thing. All right, I reached for my water again, expecting to hear peals of laughter, or at least chuckles and... Ah, let's just leave it at that. Expecting peals of laughter. This guy is just so oblivious. So there's no hiding effect. They're all sitting in front of me wondering how we could lose $10 million on a bet made by a manager who didn't even have his own parking space in our corporate headquarters. No one was smiling, but that was okay. I had the punchline ready. Well, I assure you, it wasn't because he slept with our CEO. I reached for my water again, expecting to hear peals of laughter. All right, new paragraph. It's going to be a very short paragraph just to emphasize how badly he screwed up. The silence. Now, seriously, I could put the silence was deafening. Such a cliche, but it is a really great phrase. The, the, the kind of deafening silence is such a great image. And uh, I'm not averse to using it, but we're going to try to avoid cliches here. The silence felt like a stab. How about that? He knows he screwed up the silence. And we, like I said earlier, when you're talking about a simile, it's something that describes something in a way that's creative and kind of gives you a perception of how bad it is. The silence felt like a stab. We could have said punch, something like that, but I really like the idea of a stab. Not that he knows what a stab feels like, but he can imagine. I fumbled with the water and it, I fumbled putting the water back on the lectern and it fell and it fell over spilling ruining I fell over so do we want it now you know what See, this is where you have to look where a little bit goes a long way and a lot goes a very long way. He's already embarrassed himself with this horrible joke. Do we want to embarrass himself further with the water? Well, let's think about what we want to do next. We want to have, say, the CEO come over to um, kind of make him feel better. And all she does is make him feel worse. Now, let's think, who's that other person? You know, remember, our prompt is someone who, you know, through, uh, despite their intent, and we're going to assume it's evil, uh, it actually turns out well. That person will be the uh, this person's boss. So this is uh, the person who gives the presentation at, is the, uh, you know, the director of, uh, um, you know, um, investor relations, let's say he reports to the COO. So the CEO is a kind-hearted soul, really wanted to make things better at the company, uh, maybe gave this guy a chance, uh, you know, for the C or whatever. The, the CEO is just a nice person. She knows that he was just trying to, you know, trying his best. He made a major mistake. Maybe she takes him aside at some point and says, you need to go into some training because you're, you just aren't getting it. But I've known you long enough that you're a good guy. So she wants to make things better. The COO, however, is totally embarrassed because this guy just kind of made him look like a fool because he reports to him and the stakeholders, the shareholders, the proxies, they're not happy because they're sitting there quiet. So what's he do? The silence felt like a stab. Um, I stood there not knowing what to do. The joke that I thought would lead to a 
less contentious presentation of our difficulties somehow made things worse. I had to fix it. Well, uh, I'm not sure you all may be aware. I stammered. Oh, this is going to be so great. <laughs> but our, our CEO is a lesbian. <laughs> Notice how he's digging himself in further. The moment I said the words, I wanted to just, I wanted to kick myself. It's something that people say. I mean, I was just trying to note that the mistake that cost us our, uh, cost us hitting our revenue numbers, our, no, our, uh, financial goals was due to someone that wasn't important, as in, all right, here's where we get interesting, so, he's, he's, He's floundering and falling down a hole. We want to make it very staccato, which means very fast, 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 fast. He does something, no reaction. Does something, no reaction. He just makes things worse. And at the at that bottom point, which we'll have to kind of assess, we'll have the CEO come out and help him. So that wasn't important. Um, I was just trying to note that the mistake that cost us hitting our finish goals was due to someone that wasn't important. Silence. One person. All right. One person cleared his throat. I'm sorry. I'm not being clear. I picked up my cards and glanced at what was becoming a lost cause. A presentation. Glanced at my presentation. That was already a lost cause. I mean that it was a an easily fixable mistake, which means moving forward, you will not see something similar happen again. All right, now the CEO is going to come over and try to make things better. So she's going to do something and say it, but it's only going to make him feel more embarrassed. Just as I was about to retreat into discussing numbers, I felt a hand squeeze my shoulder. I glanced over, and it was my CEO. Oh my God, I thought, I'm fired. I'm going to be fired in front of all of the shareholders. So when we say, when he thinks 
oh my god, I thought we have to put that in italics. That's how you designate an interior dialogue. And it's interesting when you when you are discussing something in first person, you're already inside the person's head. We can see his thoughts or her thoughts or their thoughts. We can feel their feelings. Um, so there's not a whole lot of reason to do interior dialogue other than for a specific effect. And in this case, the specific effect is immediacy. He feels the hand on his shoulder. He turns and the thoughts that he feels right then are in his mind right then. They are the legitimate real thoughts. They're not him narrating a story. So I'm going to put it in italics. Oh my God, I'm going to be fired in front of all the shareholders. All in italics because that's what he's thinking at that exact moment. All right, CEO speaks, trying to make things better. What, Mr., let's give him a last name. Now nah, let's pick a name, Lesman. 1S. What, Mr. Lesman? Now nah, let's not do that. She leaned into the microphone and said, it's true, I'm a lesbian. Her statement elicited laughter from the entire hall. I could see the smile widen on her face. Mr. Lesman is correct. This was a fixable mistake, something that we should have planned for, but didn't. So she's all matter of fact. She's outlining what happened. She's fixing what he had said. Now she has to try to make things better, but somehow make things worse. She looked over at me and smiled, but before she could say anything, Another voice spoke up. And voices don't speak up. Voices are... Voices are... Yeah, voice can speak up. All right. But before she could say anything, someone else spoke. Spoke from the stage. It was my boss. All right. What's the boss going to say? He's going to try to embarrass his employee because he got embarrassed. I appreciate intervening, but... So he's going to make... So what's his motivation here? He, he, he wants to make his employees squirm before he fires them, or does he want to just fire them right then? He's going he's gonna to be a jerk. Let's, let's go off. Let's go. Let's really raise the stakes here. And he's going to do it. He does have a motivation here. He wants to distract everyone from the difficult message that they're sending. And he's going to throw his employee under the bus by making it seem bad. So and then the, the CEO is going to say something that uh, will try to make it better, but makes it worse. And then we're going to end with the the his boss saying something that is really makes it worse but actually makes it better, and we'll end on a positive note. So uh, we're near the end of the story. We've set it up. We've had him be embarrassed in a really embarrassing way. The CEO has come in. It's a short little story that covers our prompt. Let's do it. All right, remember, his goal is that he wants to make it all about poor Mr. Uh, uh, Lessman. Um, uh, I cannot in good conscience... Let this stand in a meeting among all of our shareholders. 
This is not about fixable mistakes. This is not about money. This is something much more important. Mr. Lessman, behavior here, a mockery of our CEO in front of those that she reports to is completely unacceptable. I apologize. Okay. All right. Now, remember, this is told from the point of view of Mr. Lessman, our protagonist. He's going to look at his boss and go like, oh, my God, he's throwing me under the bus. So let's let's have him say that. I could not believe it. My own boss was throwing me under the bus. That's not a cliche. That's a term that is used constantly in both uh, in corporate uh, environments. When someone does something that is intended to hurt someone else to... Uh, deflect blame that's throwing them under the bus I cannot believe that my own boss was throwing me under the bus uh, we're going to make a longer paragraph here uh, his boss is talking Lessman says I cannot believe it it's not I could not believe it that's too formal I couldn't believe it my own boss was throwing me under the bus Lessman get out of the build get off the stage Lessman Get off the stage. I can't believe what you just said. I lowered my head, embarrassed, because my boss was right. Why did I think that using attraction and homosexuality, because he's going to be very formal here, as a means to we're kind of getting a little political here too which is good we're making a subtle statement that uh, you know this is not acceptable why did i think that using attraction and homosexuality as a means to lighten the mood was appropriate just as i as i as i took a step a familiar hand a familiar hand the CEO's hand once again gripped my shoulder. All right. She's going to do something that she thinks helps, helps things, but ultimately makes it worse for him or makes him more embarrassed. I'll tell you what she's going to do. She's going to say that he's ignorant and that he's, you know, uh, they're, we're, they're the type of company that uh, that's a point of view that uh, they're working to change. So let's uh, let's have her say that. Um, I disagree with our otherwise, not otherwise, our usually wise COO trying not to use names here just because uh, not for any reason other than um, 
you know, uh, I just want to get the story written. Remember, this is the first draft. You know, there's always a revision that comes later. You can clean things up. And you should be thinking not about that while you're writing. You should think about that uh, as you uh, follow your momentum as you're writing. You don't need to have it perfect. be perfect. You can always fix it on the next draft. Just keep writing. I disagree with our usually wise COO. Mr. Lessman here is a great example of how people in our organization may not always be, may not always understand what they are doing, but we look to make not only the company better, but our our employees better too. So she's going to say uh, she basically says this. You know, he's an not idiot, but he's ignorant. How can we make that make the situation worse? He already feels embarrassed. His CEO just attacked him. He feels even worse now. How can she? What's she going to say that makes him feel even worse? It's probably wise to fire him, or I'm not going to fire him, or, um, you know, what would embarrass him? Her getting into a tiff with the COO over him, and he's like, oh, I'm not the cause of this. Uh, what's going to make him feel bad or make his situation worse from someone who's trying to do good? I mean, that's the essence of our story prompt here. She is going to say, to make our employees better, too. Look at poor Mr. Lessman. He probably didn't realize how homophobic and offensive he was. That's pretty bad. But even that level of ignorance is not a crime if we work hard enough to teach and nurture. She put her arm around my shore. Here it comes. Well, he's not a middle manager without a parking space. Mr. Lesman is an example of how people can make horrible mistakes that would get you fired, not through malice, and but not through malice. She was about to say something else. This is uh, this is now Lesman talking. She was about to say something else, and us as writers know what she was about to say. She was about to say, but I'm not going to fire him. We're going to nurture him, which makes sense in terms of what she was just saying. However, his boss interrupts. Uh, she was about to say something else when my boss interrupted. And now he's going to try to do something bad. That is exactly right. Just like the individual who we fired for incompetence over mismanaging all of your money. We have no tolerance for 
mistakes of that magnitude return to me <coughs> and looked me in the eye. Lesman, you're fired. There was a gasp from the audience, which shocked me. My jokes were bad and inappropriate. My presentation had to be saved by the CEO and my boss <coughs> was right. I was incompetent and deserved to be fired. So there we go. <coughs> That's the guy acting in a attempt to do something poorly, but something good's going to happen. The audience gasps and now the CEO so the CEO is going to want to do something good, but it turns out to be bad because that's how she is. So um, I think we need to end it here. So the gasp of the audience. So uh, let's let's kind of wrap things up here. Noticing the shock in the crowd, the in the audience, which appeared to be driven by the kind words noticing that the shareholders found such a public firing noticing that the shareholders found such a public firing distasteful CEO whispered in my ear now what's she going to say she wants to she's not going to kind of have to put a I don't want the CEO to do anything because it'll make things worse. And we want to end this kind of positively. Or maybe you want to... Yeah, you know, I've set the tone that I want to end it positively. She did her... She, she tried to do good and she embarrassed him further, made him look like an idiot, and uh, opened up the door for the COO to fire him. But the, in firing him, the COO actually turned around and made it good. So let's, let's come up with a, a conclusion here. I was incompetent and deserved to be fired. But the murmurs of the... And the crowd got louder. And as I looked at my CEO and COO, I realized what had happened. There was some kind of power struggle going on, and my boss had made a grave mistake publicly firing me, especially in light of the previous financial fraudulent fraud that he was dealing with. He was not only greedy, he was an asshole too. The CEO made me look homophobic and ignorant and ignorant hick but somehow 
It saved my job, and it apparently saved hers too. The end. All right, let's talk about what we just did. That was a lot of fun. So it's not the best story in the world. It's uh, not a uh, deep story by any stretch. It's kind of a snapshot in time that has a, uh, uh, a beginning and a middle and an end. The beginning is uh, I've got to give a speech. The middle is the speech goes horribly wrong. And the end is that there's a transformation where I recognize as the protagonist that I've got flaws, but there's good news. I still have my job because the people who recognize my flaws are the good guys and I'm on the right side. So how did we do with the prompt? The prompt was basically, uh, or was precisely, write the story of two people, one who always tries to do good deeds but messes up, and another whose every action, however evil the intent, turns out well. So we kind of played off of that, not perfectly attached to it. It seems like it would be more in line for a novel where you've got two superheroes who who have alternative uh, actions and goals or competing actions and goals but for us it worked we had a uh, uh, a third party who was the uh, conduit for the actions of the two in the prompt and the uh, ceo uh, tried to save our protagonist from further embarrassment by interrupting his speech she uh, then tried to save him from um you know, losing his jo- well, kind of losing his job in front of the shareholders because he screwed up that badly by kind of making excuses for him. The other guy was the CEO. All he wanted to do was cover up the fact that uh, there was fraudulent activity on his watch, and he was going to use our protagonist to cover it up, uh, or at least distract from it by firing him very publicly for his uh, horrendous uh, homophobic mistake. And then we have the resolution where. It actually turns out well, and both of those pieces came together in a resolution with him still having his job and an opportunity to uh, grow later. So that was a lot of fun. I had a good time. I hope you did too. The joy of writing is really that process right there. You sit down, you think about the words you're going to write, the characters, the ideas, you bring them together, you test them out, you try new things, you discard others, and at the end of it, you sit down and you have the words on the page and perhaps a story, a chapter or what have you. Let's take a look at how much I've done. That was about a thousand words. Uh, so over the uh, the past, um, let's see, how long have uh, we been writing here? So, so for the past hour, I've written about a thousand words. Think about that. You could write a thousand words in an hour, do that once a day, have fun, enjoy it. And uh, at the end of 30 days, you'll have 30,000 words. At the end of two months, you'll have 60,000 words, which is a novel. You can even write slower, think more, talk to yourself more, and uh, you'll still have a novel within the span of a year. You can do it. It's fun. I hope you take the joy in writing that I do. I will see you next week. This is Jake Kerr, and this is The Joy of Writing. Thank you for listening.